Welcome back, friends. Thanks for joining me on my podcast. This is Come Follow Me with Christy Ivory. Thank you, thank you for joining me. Um, What a whirlwind of a week, you guys. I don't know if you are also feeling it out there, but I have just been so busy with homeschooling and running the show here. And I'm sure I have a lot of you that can empathize with me on that. Studying and podcasting have been such a desire. Um, Studying, yes, but podcasting has had a back burner for a little bit here so that I can juggle the, the responsibilities that I have in my life as well. So, But I will always put it out there on Facebook when there's an update. I am going to start out talking about 3rd Nephi chapter 27. And Jesus Christ has appeared to the people in the Americas. And um, I'm going to start on verse 1 here. And it came to pass that as the disciples of Jesus were journeying and were preaching the things which they had both heard and seen and were baptizing in the name of Jesus, it came to pass that the disciples were gathered together and were united in mighty prayer and fasting. I need to stop there because um, something this week has really stood out to me, and it's been the principle of being united. Um, I am guilty of this myself. You know, there's so much going on out there in the world right now that it is so easy to have an opinion and want to state your opinion and, um, and you got to be really careful doing that. I have, I have decided that unity is going to be my focus right now, um, in this point in my life, united in mighty prayer and fasting. The people were gathered, they were gathered together and there's so much, divisiveness right now that I think the principle of unity is a very important one at this point in in time. In number two, and Jesus again showed himself unto them for they were praying unto the Father in the name, excuse me, and Jesus came and stood in the midst of them and said unto them, what will ye that I shall give unto you? I found that so amazing that like here, All of his disciples are in mighty prayer, praying in the name of Christ, and here he he just shows up. And I just thought, wow, that is just so miraculously amazing and unfathomable. Um, That he stood in their midst, and the first thing out of his mouth was, what will ye that I shall give unto you? What do you need from me? And this just made me pause and reflect on how much Jesus Christ loves us and how much he wants to bless us and how much he wants to give to us. Um, In verse 3, And they said unto him, Lord, we will that thou wouldest tell us the name whereby we shall call this church, for there are disputations among the people concerning this matter. And the Lord said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Why is it that the people should be murmur, 
should murmur and dispute because of this thing? Have they not read the scriptures which say ye must take upon you the name of Christ, which is my name? For by this name shall ye be called at the last day. So the people are saying, Jesus, please tell us, what shall we call the name of the church? And he said, I don't understand why there's fighting and murmuring about this. Um, have you not read the scriptures uh, where it says that you must take upon you the name of Christ? So, and in number six, and whosoever taketh upon him my name and adoreth to the end, and the same shall be saved at the last day. Therefore, whatsoever ye shall do, ye shall do it in my name. Therefore, ye shall call the church in my name, and ye shall call upon the Father in my name, that he will bless the church for my sake. And how be it my church, save it be called in my name. For if for if a church be called in Moses' name, then it be Moses' church. Or if it be called in the name of a man, then it shall be the church of a man. But if it be called in my name, then it is my church. For it so be that they are built upon my gospel. Verily I say unto you that ye are built upon the gospel. Therefore ye shall call whatsoever things ye do call in my name. Therefore, if ye call upon the Father for the church, um, if it be in my name, the Father will hear you. That really made me take a pause right there. Let me read that last little bit of number nine. For the church, if it be... Oh, wait, let me see. Let me take it back a little. Therefore, ye shall call whatsoever things ye do call. In my name, therefore, if ye call upon the Father for the church, if it be in my name, the Father will hear you. That is just so neat. If, you, if we pray to our Father in heaven, in the name of Jesus Christ, he will hear us. I love that. Number 10, and if it so be, that the church is built upon my gospel, then will the Father show forth his own works in it. So the Christ church needs to be called in Christ's name. And he says here, if it is built upon my gospel, then will the Father show forth his own works in it. If it is built on the gospel, you will see Christ's hand in the church. But if it not if it be not built upon my gospel and is built upon the works of men or upon the works of the devil, verily I say unto you that they have joy in their works for a season, and by and by the end cometh, and they are hewn down and cast into the fire, from whence there is no return. For their works do follow them, for it is because of their works that they are hewn down Therefore, remember the things that I have told you. Behold, I have given unto you my gospel, and this is the gospel which I have given unto you, that I came into the world to do the will of my Father, because my Father sent me. Okay, 
These are the words of Jesus Christ. If you are not sure if these are his words or if this if this scripture is really scripture, I urge you to pray and read and ponder the things that you're reading and go to Heavenly Father in the name of Jesus Christ and he will let you know by the power of the Holy Ghost if these things are not true. He will let you know. I know that to be true because I know of myself that these things are true because I asked and I received an answer to my prayers. And you will know if you go to him and you pray. So in this, in this chapter, he's saying that if you're built upon my gospel, then will the Father show forth his own works in it. But if it's not built upon my gospel, then there may be good works for a season, it says here. Or upon the works of the, let's see, it says, um, but if it's not built upon my gospel and is built upon the works of men or upon the works of the devil, verily I say unto you, they have joy in their works for a season. And, and by and by the end cometh. And they are hewn down and cast into the fire from whence there is no return. So the devil really makes things look appealing. He really can slyfully, slyfully, if that's even a word, drag you down slowly, carefully, and meticulously in his own way of convincing and his own way of evil doing, drag you down slowly. So it says in here that You know, there may be joy in their work for a season, but it's not going to be lasting joy. It's definitely not going to be lasting. There's going to be an end. In number 12, and their works do follow them, for it is because of their works that they are hewn down. Therefore, remember the things that I have told you. Powerful words from Jesus Christ right there. For their works do follow them. For it is because of their works that they are hewn down. They may have joy for a season, but it's all going to come around. It's going to be exposed. It's going to be come to light that their works are going to follow them and people will see and people will know. In 13, behold, I have given unto you my gospel, and this is the gospel which I have given unto you, that I came into the world to do the will of my Father, because my Father sent me. And my Father sent me that I might be lifted up upon the cross, and after that I had been lifted up upon the cross, that I might draw all men unto me, that as I have been lifted up by men, even so should men be lifted up by the Father to stand before me, to be judged of their works, whether they be good or whether they be evil. And for this cause have I been lifted up. Therefore, according to the power of the Father, I will draw all men unto me, that they may be judged according to their works. 
And it shall come to pass that whoso repenteth and is baptized in my name shall be filled. And if he endureth to the end, behold, him will I hold guiltless before my father at the day when I shall stand to judge the world. So once again there, the importance of repentance and being baptized in Jesus Christ's name um, and enduring to the end. You know, enduring to the end. What does that mean to you? Life can be very challenging. Life can be very difficult and hard. We are seeing... Um, and we are being a part of, I feel, the most critical time in the history of the earth. Um, And it can be hard for many, many people out there. Um, For all different sorts of reasons. But he's saying there, if ye endure to the end, behold... Him will I hold guiltless before my Father at the day when I shall stand to judge the world. And he that endureth not unto the end, the same it is he that is also hewn down and cast into the fire. From whence they can no more return because of the justice of the Father. I think he also means here um, enduring in righteousness as well. Um... It's not always easy to go on the straight and narrow path. Uh, Broad is the way that is easy. When you have a broad path and you're just going with the flow and going with what everyone else is doing, that is the broad way of going. But going on the straight and narrow path, I think it can be viewed from a lot of people as more difficult. Um, To me, I feel like it brings more freedom to be on a straight and narrow path. Um, But you know, if you have never been um, someone who follows Christ in your life, it's a new way of living. It's definitely a different way of living. Um, that many may not be used to. And so enduring to the end in righteousness may not come easy to some as it does to others who have lived this life. Um, I'm not saying me, myself, am perfect. I sin every single day. We're all sinners. But righteousness is not always an easy life. To live for, for many. But he's saying here, and he is emphasizing the importance of enduring to the end. And in 18, and this is the word which he hath given unto the children of men, and for this cause he fulfilleth the words which he hath given, and he lieth not, but fulfilleth all his words. And no unclean thing can enter into the kingdom. Therefore, nothing Entereth into his rest, save it be those who have washed their garments in my blood. And because of their faith and the repentance of all of their sins and their faithfulness unto the end. Okay, so he's saying, 
Nothing entereth into his rest, save it be those who have washed their garments in my blood because of their faith and the repentance of all of their sins and their faithfulness unto the end. If we want to live with Jesus Christ, we need to know Jesus Christ. Um, No unclean thing can enter into his presence. So we need to be able to understand what Jesus Christ has done for each of us. We need to be able to understand that when he suffered in Gethsemane and he died on the cross, that he suffered and died for us so that we can... um, Okay, so as I was saying there, I'm sorry, I got cut off for a second. Um, In 20, now this is the commandment, repent all ye ends of the earth and come unto me and be baptized in my name, that ye may be sanctified by the reception of the Holy Ghost, that ye may stand spotless before me at the last day. So what I was saying is that Jesus Christ was talking about um, the importance of being washed clean um, because no unclean thing can enter the kingdom of God. And so he, he loves us so much. He wants us to be able to remain with him, but we need to follow his, his teachings as best we can and repent and be baptized in his name so that the Holy Ghost can sanctify us and cleanse us. In 21, verily, verily, I say unto you, this is my gospel, and ye know the things that ye must do in my church. For the works which ye have seen me do, that shall ye, that shall ye also do. For that which ye have seen me do, even that shall ye do. So he's telling us, follow my example. Therefore, if ye do these things, blessed are ye, for ye shall be lifted up at the last day. Write the things which ye have seen and heard, save it be those which are forbidden. Write the works of this people, which shall be, even as hath been written, of that which hath been. For behold, out of the books which have been written, and which shall be written, shall this people be judged. For by them shall their works be known unto men. In 26, and behold, all things are written by the Father. Therefore, out of the books which shall be written, shall the world be judged. And know ye, and know ye that ye shall be judged of this people, according to the judgment which shall be given unto you, which shall be just. Therefore, what manner of men ought ye be? Verily I say unto you, even as I am. And now, and here he's going to be saying goodbye, and now I go unto the Father, and verily I say unto you, whatsoever thing ye shall ask the Father in my name shall be given unto you. Therefore ask, and ye shall receive. Knock, and it shall be open unto you. For he that asketh receiveth, and unto him that knocketh it shall be opened. And now behold, my joy is great, even unto the fullness, because of you. And also this generation, yea, and even the Father rejoiceth, and also all the holy angels, because of you, and this generation, for none of them are lost. 
I think that is so beautiful, and I think that we're familiar with the scripture from the Bible. In verse 29, ask and you shall receive, knock and it shall be open unto you. Jesus Christ and Heavenly Father, they love us. They want to help us. They want to give to us. And so all we have to do is ask. Ask in faith. And if it be right, Heavenly Father will hear us and answer our prayers. Um, I'm going to end in 30, actually in 32. But behold, it sorroweth me because of the fourth generation from this generation. For they are led away captive by him, even as the son of perdition. For they will sell me for silver and for gold. And for that which moth doth corrupt, and which thieves can break through and steal. And in that day will I visit them, even in turning their works upon their own heads. And it came to pass that when Jesus had ended these sayings, he said unto his disciples, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for straight is the gate, and narrow is the way that leads to life, and few there be that find it, but wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to death. And many there be that travel therein until the night cometh wherein no man can work. So I'm going to leave you with that. And that is very, what is the word? Poignant? I don't know if that's a correct word there, but very, very um, reflective for sure. The wide gate is the broad way that leads to death, and many there be that travel therein, until the night cometh wherein no man can work. I'm going to end there, and you can sit on that for just a few minutes before I start chapter 28. Signing off. Welcome back to 3rd Nephi chapter 28 in the Book of Mormon, another testament of Jesus Christ. Um, gosh, I'm trying to think of when I started this podcast. I can't exactly remember, but we have been unfolding uh, this beautiful record uh, which started back 600 years before Christ when Lehi the prophet Lehi and his wife Sariah and their sons and daughters came across the waters of um across the waters left Jerusalem and came over to the promised land and they landed here they lived here they grew here and Jesus Christ and Heavenly Father had other children besides the children of Israel. They had um, us. And uh, back then, Jesus Christ set up his church just the same way that he did when he was roaming the earth. He set up his church here as well. And so we have been unfolding this record. 
that takes place 600 years before Christ, and it ends in 400 AD. And what a beautiful, enlightening record this has been to unfold with you. Um, I'm going to start in 28. Okay. And it came to pass that when Jesus had said these words, he spake unto his disciples one by one, saying unto them, What is it that ye desire of me after I am gone to the Father? So once again, Jesus Christ is showing his love by telling his disciples, What can I do for you after I am gone? What is it? What is your desire? And they all spake, save it were three, saying, We desire that after we have lived unto the age of man, that our ministry, wherein thou hast called us, may have an end, and that we may speedily come unto thee in thy kingdom. And there were three others. So the three that didn't speak, he was able to perceive their thoughts. And he understood that they wanted to remain here on the earth until the second coming of Christ. Now, when I first read this, like really read it and really um, processed it, I was actually on my mission. Now, I had done a lot of studying. I had gone to seminary, which is an early morning meeting for the youth of our church in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Um, I had gone to those early morning seminaries uh, every day, but I think that I probably slept through too many or dozed off or was in dreamland. But I didn't recall the three knee fights. And when I was on my mission, I can remember we were doing, my companion and I were doing personal study together actually separately. And I remember reading this story about the three Nephites and that they desired to remain on the earth and stay here. And I just was like, what? And I looked up at my companion and I said, oh my gosh, did you know that there are three Nephites wandering around the earth? And she just laughed. Like, Christy, where have you been? <laughs> and, um, but that was a real enlightening moment for me because I just had not, either I had not remembered it or I had just not uh, processed it. But how exciting is that? So in number three, he, and he said unto them, Blessed are ye because ye desired this thing of me. Therefore, after that ye are 70 and two years old. Oh, so he's talking to the other disciples who said they wanted to live out the age of man and then they wanted to return to um, Jesus Christ and his kingdom. And he said that after that ye are 72 years old, ye shall come unto me in my kingdom and with me ye shall, have, ye shall find rest. And when he had spoken unto them, he turned himself unto the three and said unto them, What will ye that I should do unto you when I am gone unto the Father? And they sorrowed in their hearts, for they durst not speak unto him the thing which they desired. 
And he said unto them, Behold, I know your thoughts, and ye have desired the thing which John, my beloved, who was with me in my ministry, before that I was lifted up by the Jews, desired of me. Therefore, more blessed are ye, for ye shall never taste of death, but ye shall live to behold all the doings of the Father unto the children of men, even until all things shall be fulfilled according to the will of the Father, when I shall come in my glory with the powers of heaven. So here he says, no need to tell me your thoughts. I perceive your thoughts. I know your thoughts. You desire the same thing that John, the revelator also, wanted and desired. And you are more blessed for feeling this way. Because you're never going to taste of sorrow. And um, and you will, and then he goes on to say in 8, And you shall never endure the pains of death. But when I shall come in my glory, you shall be changed in the twinkling of an eye from mortality to immortality. And then shall ye be blessed in the kingdom of my Father. Wow. And in nine, and again, you shall not have pain while ye shall dwell in the flesh, neither sorrow, save it be for the sins of the world. And all this will I do because of the thing which ye have desired of me. For ye have desired that ye might bring the souls of men unto me, while the world shall stand. And for this cause ye shall have fullness of joy, and ye shall sit down in the kingdom of my Father. Yea, your joy shall be full, even as the Father hath given me fullness of joy. And ye shall be even as I am, and I am even as the Father, and the Father and I are one. And the Holy Ghost beareth record of the Father and me. And the Father giveth the Holy Ghost unto the children of men because of me. And it came to pass that when Jesus had spoken these words, he touched every one of them with his finger, save it were the three who were to tarry, and they departed. Wow. And in 13, and behold, the heavens were opened. They were caught up into heaven and saw and heard unspeakable things. And it was forbidden them that they should utter. Neither was it given unto them power that they could utter the things which they saw and heard. So they were actually physically stopped from describing or talking about or writing or anything. They were forbidden to talk of the things that they had seen um, as they were caught up into heaven is what it said. They saw and heard unspeakable things. And whether they were in the body or out of the body, they could not tell. How would that be? You wouldn't know if you were in the body, in your body, or out of your body. It was like a transfiguration that they experienced. They could not tell, for it did seem unto them like a transfiguration of them. That, sorry, turn my page. They were changed from this body of flesh into an immortal state that they could behold the things of God. So in their flesh, they were unable to exist in whatever atmosphere was created 
as they were caught up in this heavenly experience, they were unable to stay in their um, mortal bodies. So in 16, it came to pass that they did again minister upon the face of the earth. Nevertheless, they did not minister of the things which they had heard and seen because of the commandment which was given them in heaven. So they were able to talk about other things. They were able to share other things, but not the things that had taken place as they were caught up into heaven. In 17, and now whether they were mortal or immortal from the from the day of their transfiguration, I know not. Now, this is Mormon who's speaking. And he's saying that he does not know if they were mortal or immortal at this moment. But this much I know, according to the record which hath been given, that they did go forth upon the face of the land and did minister unto the people, uniting, there's that word again, uniting as many to the church that would believe in their preaching, baptizing them, and as many as as were baptized did receive the Holy Ghost. And they were cast into prison by them who did not belong to the church, and the prisons could not hold them, for they were rent in twain. But they were cast down into the earth, but they did smite the earth with the word of God, insomuch that by his power they were delivered out of the depths of the earth, and therefore they could not dig pits sufficient to hold them. Wow. So people that did not belong to the church were casting them in prison, but the prisons could not hold them. The prisons were rent in twain. They could not hold them. They were cast down into the earth, but they did smite the earth with the word of God, insomuch that by his power they were delivered out of the depths of the earth. And there wasn't a pit deep enough to hold them because of those of the powerful words that they that they spoke and they shared, and of course their faithfulness and their righteousness. Heavenly Father could not hold that power from them. I mean, he could, but they had so much faith. Um, And 21, and thrice they were cast into the furnace and they received no harm. They were cast into a furnace and they did not burn. People were seeing mighty miracles wrought with the disciples of Jesus. And twice were they cast into the den of wild beasts, and behold, they did play with the beasts as a child with a suckling lamb and received no harm, just like Daniel in the lion's den. They were playing with the beasts. And it came to pass that thus they did go forth among all the people of Nephi and did preach the gospel of Jesus Christ unto all the people of the upon the face of the land and they were converted unto the Lord and were united there's united again I'm going to circle that unto the church of Christ and thus the people of that generation were blessed according to the words of Jesus and now I Mormon 
make an end of speaking concerning these things for a time. Behold, I was about to write the names of those who were, would never taste of death, but the Lord forbade, therefore I write them not, for they are hid from the world. Amazing. Now, Mormon is the prophet that abridged the Book of Mormon. There were many, 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 many records that were kept and hidden up in the earth. And he was given the power of God to be able to discern and to know the things that were to be included in this record of the Book of Mormon. He abridged the plates. He narrowed it down by knowing and being inspired as to what God would want us to know in these latter days. So they included some things in the records and some things were discluded. But definitely at this moment in time, he felt a strong prompting to not include the names of the three Nephites. In 26, but behold, I have seen them and they have ministered unto me. Wow. And behold, they will be among the Gentiles and the Gentiles shall know them not. And they will also be among the Jews and the Jews shall know them not. Okay, wow. I'm going to take a pause just for a second here. I think I misunderstood back when I think I'm trying to think you know that where where I talked about them being dug in pits and they could not um hold them and in the furnace and they could not burn them and um, they played with beasts. I'm wondering if they're talking about the disciples of Christ here or if they're talking about the three Nephites. I'm going to go back to 16 really quick, but it came to pass that they did again minister upon the face of the earth. Nevertheless, they did not minister of the things which they had heard and seen because of the commandments which was given unto them. Okay, yes, they were talking about the the disciples of Christ. But here we're talking about the three Nephites and how they're, they will never taste of death. Um, and they had ministered unto Mormon um, many times, I think is what he said. I have seen them and they have ministered unto me. Oh, I guess he didn't say how many times. And behold, they will be among the Gentiles, and the Gentiles shall know them not. Uh, they will also be among the Jews, and the Jews shall know them not. And it shall come to pass that when the Lord seeth fit in his wisdom, that they shall minister unto all the scattered tribes of Israel, and unto all nations, kindreds, tongues, and people, and shall bring out of them unto Jesus many souls, that their desire may be fulfilled, and also because of the convincing power of God which is in them. And they are as the angels of God, and if they shall pray unto the Father in the name of Jesus, they can show themselves unto whatsoever man it seemeth them good. 
Wow. So here they're going to be among the Gentiles, which Gentiles to me means anyone who has not been baptized or covenanted with God through repentance and baptism. Those, the name of them are Gentiles. If you have been baptized and you've repented of your sins, then you are considered of the house of Israel, adopted in in a sense. And here he's saying that they're going; these three Nephites are going to be among the Gentiles and among the Jews, and they will not know them, so they will be in disguise. And when Heavenly Father is ready, he will see fit in his wisdom to minister to the scattered tribes of Israel in unto all nations, kindreds, tongues, and people, and shall bring out of them unto Jesus many souls. They will be teaching the gospel of Jesus Christ in those in, in to the Gentiles and to the Jews, and they will not know them. But when Heavenly Father sees it fit, I love this part this part in 30. They are as the angels of God, and if they shall pray unto the Father in the name of Jesus they can show themselves unto whomever man it seemeth them good. But they have to pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Yeah, I was explaining this to my kids the other day. This is so interesting, you guys, that this is like the second or third time I've recollected that when we address and we say in the name of Jesus Christ, it reminded me as uh, as if it was a password or something that we offer to be able to get our message to God. And that just struck me. And I explained that to my kids. And I was like, hmm, that's really interesting that um, Heavenly Father is able to hear us when we pray through his son. He will hear us. So, and if they shall pray unto the Father in the name of Jesus Christ, they can show themselves unto whomever man it seemeth them good. All they have to do is pray and say, I want to appear to these people in the name of Jesus Christ. And they will be able to appear Therefore, great and marvelous work shall be wrought by them before the great and coming day when all people must surely stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Yea, even among the Gentiles shall there be a great and marvelous work wrought by them before that judgment day. And if, and if ye had all the scriptures which give an account of all of the mar- marvelous works of Christ... Ye would, according to the words of Christ, know that these things must surely come. So if you had all of the scriptures that were giving an account of all of this marvelous work that was going on, the marvelous work of Christ, ye would, according to the words of Christ, know that these things must uh, must surely come. 
These things are going to happen. And woe be unto him that will not hearken unto the words of Jesus and also to them whom he hath chosen and sent among them for whoso receiveth not the words of Jesus and the words of those whom he hath sent receiveth him not, receiveth not him, and therefore he will not receiveth them at the last day. And it would be better for them if they had not been born. For do ye suppose that ye could get rid of the justice of an offended God who hath been trampled under feet of men, that thereby salvation might come? And now behold, as I spake concerning those whom the Lord hath chosen, yea, even three who were caught up unto the heavens, that I knew not whether they were cleansed from mortality to immortality. But behold, since I wrote, I have inquired of the Lord, and he hath made it manifest unto me that there must needs be a change wrought upon their bodies, or else it needs to be that they must taste of death. So there had to be a transfiguration um, for the three Nephites to remain. There was a transformation of their bodies. And in 38, therefore, they, that they might not taste of death, there was a change wrought upon their bodies, that they might not suffer pain nor sorrow, save it were the sins of the world. They were only going to be feeling sorrowful for the state of the sins of the world. Other than that, they were not going to feel pain. They were not going to feel sorrow. So because of this, their bodies had to be changed and transfigured. In 39, now this change was not equal to that which shall take place at the last day. But there was a change wrought upon them in so much that Satan could have no power over them and he could not tempt them, and they were sanctified in the flesh. Oh, wow, how would that be? That they were holy, and that the powers of the earth could not hold them. So they were definitely given gifts of the body during this time. They, Satan had no power over them. He couldn't tempt them. They were sanctified in the flesh, and the powers of earth could not hold them. And in this state, they were to remain until the judgment day of Christ. And at that day, they were to be received unto the kingdom of the Father, to go no more out, but to dwell with God eternally in the heavens. Wow. That's beautiful. I'm going to end there on 28, and I'll continue on 29 in just a second. Welcome back. We are in 3 Nephi chapter 29 in the Book of Mormon, another testament of Jesus Christ. I'm going to start off by um, reading the subtitle here. The coming forth of the Book of Mormon is a sign that the Lord has commenced to gather Israel and fulfill his covenants. Those who reject his latter-day revelations and gifts will be cursed. 
And now behold, and this is in 34 to 35 AD. And now behold, I say unto you that when the Lord shall see fit in his wisdom, that these sayings shall come unto the Gentiles according to his word, then ye may know that the covenant which the Father hath made unto the ch- um, with the children of Israel concerning their restoration to the lands of their inheritance is already beginning to be fulfilled. And ye may know that the words of the Lord, which have been spoken by the holy prophets, shall all be fulfilled. And ye need not say that the Lord delays his coming unto the children of Israel. Um, In number three, and ye need not imagine in your hearts that the words which have been spoken are vain. For behold, the Lord will remember his covenant, which he hath made unto his people of the house of Israel. Now, when he's talking about the house of Israel, he is also talking of the people who have repented and who have been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, who have been, who have taken upon them the name of Jesus Christ. They have been um, adopted in, per se, to the house of Israel. So they are called the children of Israel. So you and I, if we have been baptized in Jesus Christ's name and we have made covenants with our Heavenly Father, we are considered the children of Israel. And you need not imagine in your hearts that the words which have been spoken are vain. I think I already read that. Yes, I did. And number four, and when you shall see these sayings come forth among you, then you need not any longer spurn at the doings of the Lord, for the sword of his justice is in the right hand. And behold, at that day, if you shall spurn at his doings, he will cause that it should swoon take, overtake you. Woe unto him that spurneth at the doings of the Lord. Yea, woe unto him that shall deny the Christ and his works. So, right here, clearly he is telling us that those who are are, um, not taking the teachings of God or the teachings of Christ seriously... And his doctrine, um, woe unto him that deny Christ and his works. Yea, woe unto him that shall deny the revelations of the Lord, and that shall say that the Lord no longer worketh by revelation, or by prophecy, or by gifts, or by tongues, or by healings, or by the power of the Holy Ghost. I'm going to take a second to expound on number six. 35, chapter 29, verse 6. This verse sets us apart from many other faiths because we believe that the heavens have not been closed to the people on the earth. We, members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, believe that the heavens have been opened since Joseph Smith knelt down 
in a grove of trees and prayed unto the Father that he would know which church to join. And in that day, the heavens were opened to a young boy of 14. And his life was never the same. He saw God the Father and his son Jesus Christ, and they did indeed appear to him. And they taught him what he needed to know. Because at that time, the heavens had been closed. Um, Those of you who know history, the Dark Ages are talked about. And it was after the prophets were all, um, you know, some were killed. And and, um, after Jesus Christ was crucified, the church fell. And a lot of people refer to this as the dark ages where the heavens were closed. And I encourage you to pray and know for yourself if this record, the Book of Mormon, is true. Because if it is true, then Joseph Smith would be a prophet of God. Because he is the one that translated the record that was written in a reformed Egyptian and it was translated into English by the gift and power of God through a young boy of 14 years old. If you pray and you ask, you will know and you will be able to understand by the power of the Holy Ghost, if these things are true, what I'm telling you. We are his other sheep. Heavenly Father spoke of this, Jesus Christ spoke of this in the Bible, that he had other sheep. There are other sheep I have who are not of this fold. He was speaking to the people there. They, under, they understood him not. They didn't understand what he was talking about when he was talking about the other sheep. But there were other sheep over here, his followers. He loved us too. So he came and he appeared to the people here. So this verse in verse 6 sets us apart from many other faiths because we believe that the revelations of God are open to us. We believe in a living prophet on the earth today. We believe in prophecy from a modern-day prophet. We believe in gifts of the Spirit. We believe in the gift of tongues. We believe in the gift of healing by the power of the uh, by the power of God to those who have the proper authority of God and who are given that power to act in God's name by the laying on of hands. 
we believe that by the power of the Holy Ghost, you may know the truth of all of these things that I have just said. So I would encourage you to pray over this, pray over this record, that you may know if these things are true. Because then, if you know that, everything else is going to fall in line for you. And you will be able to see things in a different light. Number seven, yea, and woe unto him that shall say at that day to get gain that there can be no miracle wrought by Jesus Christ. For he that doeth this shall become like unto the son of perdition, for whom there was no mercy according to the word of Christ. Yea, and ye need not any longer hiss nor spurn nor make game of the Jews nor any of the remnant of the house of Israel. For behold, the Lord remembereth his covenant unto them and he will do unto them according to that which he hath sworn. Therefore, ye need not suppose that ye can turn the right hand of the Lord unto the left, that he may not execute judgment unto the fulfilling of the covenant which he hath made unto the house of Israel. When heavenly Father gives his word, that is the word which he hath sworn, and he is bound by his word. Okay, chapter 30. The latter-day Gentiles are commanded to repent, come unto Christ, and be numbered with the house of Israel. So this is a call out to all people who maybe are not following Christ right now, who um, need to make a change and have a change in their hearts right now. So he is pleading with the Gentiles here. Hearken, O ye Gentiles, and hear the words of Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, which he hath commanded me that I should speak concerning you. For behold, he commandeth me that I should write, saying, Number two, turn all ye Gentiles from your wicked ways and repent of your evil doings, for your lyings and deceivings and your whoredoms and your secret secret abominations and your idolatries and of your murders and of your priestcrafts and of your envyings and of your strifes and from all your wickedness and abominations and come unto me and be baptized in my name that ye may receive a remission of your sins and be filled with the Holy Ghost that ye may be numbered with my people who are of the house of Israel." Wow, this is a message to the latter day. That's right now. We are in the latter days. He is speaking to the latter day Gentiles who have not covenanted with Jesus Christ, who have not repented of their sins. He is talking to you. That is powerful. He's saying, repent of your evil doings. Repent of your lyings and deceivings, of your whoredoms. Those of you that don't know what whoredoms are, that is of cheating on your spouse and having um, 
uh, fornication um, that does not, it is not with your wife or your husband and of your secret abominations, your secret sins and your idolatries, do you put other things before you put God first? What are your idols? And we all could sit back and think of these things and, and try to better our lives by recognizing what we need to do in order to better prepare ourselves for the coming of Jesus Christ because he is coming and we do all need to prepare. When is he coming? Nobody knows. But what we do know is there are a lot of people that have been waiting for 3,000 years and we are seeing the signs in heaven that have been prophesied for all of these years, we are seeing signs. So it is, it is time for all of us to prepare and to come closer to Jesus Christ, repent of our sins, and come unto him. This is the time because when our time is done and he comes, no work can be performed. So I'm, I'm continuing on in the middle of two. Repent, so basically, repent of your murders and your priestcrafts and your envyings and your strifes and from all your wickedness and abominations. Come unto me and be baptized. He's inviting us. Come and be baptized. In my name, that ye may receive a remission of your sins and be filled with the Holy Ghost that ye may be numbered with my people who are of the house of Israel. That's why this is such an amazingly exciting time in the history of the earth. Although we may feel like it's a really um, scary time with everything that's been going on right now, this is supposed to happen right now. And there is a gathering going on. And we can all help in this gathering by extending ourselves and helping to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ to all that um, are out there. We can do our best to try to aid in the spreading of this beautiful word so that we can help gather Israel. And I'm going to end there. And wow, what a beautiful call out to the Gentiles. Signing off.